Welcome to The Hard Way with Anvil T&D, where three Australian veterans cover everything physical and mental health, business, education, and life lessons learned the hard way. Each episode, the Anvil team challenge themselves, their guests, and their listeners to ask the hard questions, acknowledge their biases, broaden their perspective, and have a laugh along the way. Now, here are your hosts, Dan, Marshall, and Nathan. Beware the dark humor and enjoy the podcast. Welcome. How do we start these? Yeah, I forget I think we used to just say, like, welcome to the Hardway Anvil TD podcast. We're Anvil Training Development. And today we are talking about Marshall's article, Is That All There Is To It? Yeah. The purpose of goal specific training. Yeah. So this was a pretty good one because you say the start, it's basically nothing new information wise, which I guess there is very few things in the fitness industry which are new information. No. Um, despite what every Instagram influencer says. Yeah. Um, and that, and I think we can all relate to this or everyone can relate to this at least at one point is that you may, people may be doing these hectic program or training, hectic training and have an idea of what they're trying to achieve. Mm. But if you were to probe deeper, you would probably find they don't really have a decent justification for the way they're going about it. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, I think when I first sat down to write this article ages ago, it would have been like halfway through last year or yeah, something. Yeah, it was a while ago. I think it was October 2019. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, posted. Fucking ages ago. Um, it was because I got sent a training program from a guy uh, who was up in Townsville. He was posted to an infantry battalion up there. And he just said, this is the program that I was doing. What do you think of it? Is this the uh, the Bench Supreme one for infantry soldiers? It look it. <laughs> when I read it, I and I've actually talked to this guy recently again about that program, um, and we sort of covered off on a few things. When um, when I first read it, I think I was, you know, you know, pretty passionate about people not bench pressing in the army. I just think that it's not. It's not going to get you where you want to go most of the time. Um, and that's the whole purpose of this article. You know, um, you have to, one, you have to know why you're training. There has to be a reason why. Otherwise, you're probably not going to do it. Um, but most people have that reason why. That's why I start off with mm. by saying in this article, there's nothing new here. Um, it's all the same information you've probably seen before. In fact, this kind of, um, this kind of motivator, this kind of uh, rationalization for getting people to train is... Um, is taught in you know the most basic fitness courses you do you know um, someone will come in and the first thing they do with a coach or something is you know they sit down they figure out why you're here you know what do you mm. want to achieve you know we've spoken about it so many times before on the live at five you know they always come up with the same thing i just want to lose fat and gain muscle yeah. that's a pretty standard lean one muscle. Yeah. yeah and um and then in the army you've got you know, the same sort of thing, but in army form, you know, you've got guys that um, they might say, oh, I just want a better 2.4K run time or I just want to pass SF selection, mm. just want to pass. Just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Only one of the hardest things to do in the military. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's a reason. They they know why they want to train. You know, rarely do you get someone even stepping foot in a gym without a, a fairly decent reason to be there. Yeah. There's got to be some kind of motivator, yeah. whatever that may be. Um, and... You know, that's not quite the point of this article. People know why they want to train, but then they sort of, they miss the next step. 
Um, it's all well and good to say, oh, I want to lose fat and gain muscle. Okay, here, follow this, you know, upper body, lower body split six times a week and hopefully you get there. Mm. You know, um, oh, I want to pass SF. Okay, do this. Um, I don't know. Another a good example actually I can think of recently is um, some people be like, oh, well, that means I have to bench 1.5 times my body weight, squat twice my body weight and deadlift two and a half times my mm. body weight. Um, and my first question would be one, where are these fucking numbers coming from? Yeah. You know, how do they apply to somebody who, when you look at special forces, the role of special forces, these are guys that generally need to be able to go for days on end with limited caloric intake. They need huge amounts of muscular and cardiovascular endurance, but they don't. I don't think at any point did an SAS soldier have a bench press competition with the Taliban. I can't think. <laughs> For I can't, his life. Uh, hey, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of redacted stuff out there that could be happening. You know, yeah, I, don't think, I, don't think, I don't think at any point did the commandos rock up to Iraq and go, oh, fellas, there's a squat rack there. Let's win this fucking war. <laughs> let's, invite, <laughs> let's invite the head of the, yeah. the insurgents. Get Saddam in. It could yeah. be a friendly and, way to end the war. Just yeah. a friendly and I mean, until we get comp. there, <laughs> that might not be the best way to train for selection. Yeah, especially something, you know, and because you bring up um, the military background of yourself and obviously we all have that as well. Um, quite a bit in this, so that's um, why we're talking about this, the military side of, say, training. But something like SF, and there's a lot of examples in fitness in general, is it's they tell you exactly what you need to achieve. Oh, yeah. You need to achieve this, and even just... So that's just to get there, to get mm. to the selection. Even once you're there, everyone knows about it so much now. There's yeah. so much info. To, you, people it's go there secret. knowing exactly what happens every yeah. single day. And they know that. Like, yeah. I've known guys that have said, had, like, the... Um, selection guys say to them okay i know that you know what you're about to do because mm. you know there's so much information everyone goes there with ba basically written out yeah and just you know because of good prep and like but you know you're still going to do it and this is yeah. how it's going to happen and everyone still drops out because yeah. it's still you, fucking hard yeah up? and i'll you know we look at the reasons why people might drop out for something like this and this will lead on to why i wrote this article um the reason people generally drop out from something like that is because of uh, mental fatigue mm. or an injury. Yeah. Right. Whether that injury is perceived or real, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, perceived injuries do just as much damage as real ones because once you start fixating on something, it's just going to linger there and it's going to be your worst fucking nightmare, basically. So if you aren't confident in your level of training, if you aren't confident in why you trained and how you trained to get to that point, that injury will prevent you from succeeding, right? Um, so let's look, I guess, um, at SF is a great example. Um Maybe we dial it back for those people that don't understand, you know, quite what special forces are if they're not in the military or they mm. don't have familiarity with that environment. Let's look at training for, uh, you know, how to be an effective infantry soldier because this is, um, this article does end up giving you a very basic weights program right at the end uh, that is designed by me to, I guess, facilitate the best development of strength and explosive power and muscular and cardiovascular endurance that you could hope for as an infantry soldier. And don't get me wrong, there's a million and one ways to do it. This is just the way that I think I would enjoy the most. And this is the way that I see as being practical as if I was still in infantry, that's the way I want to train. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, which, funnily enough, is completely different to the way that I did train. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you mentioned that straight off the bat. Like, you you know, use the term Pirates Code. Like, we, oh, yeah. we all did it. Like I was saying earlier, like, you go into the gym with a kind of guideline yeah. on what you're going to do because you think, I want to, say, get stronger and bigger. Yeah. So, I'm just going to... Got a general idea of some things yeah, I could do that, yeah, that <laughs> may or may not achieve, yeah, yeah, that may or may not achieve that, and it's not a very effective uh, method. Yeah. So, and I think I did get there in a roundabout method. By the end of my career, I had sort of figured out a way that really worked for me on how to tick all the boxes as far as tests for an infantry soldier. And then train in a way that I found was enjoyable and be fit enough to do anything that I had to as part of the job. So looking at that sort of framework, that's what I go into in this article. It sort of takes me a little while to get there, um, mainly because I'm talking about why are we in the gym for the first place? And let's, let's take this why as I'm an infantry soldier, I need to be fit enough to do my job. Because that's something I can relate to. That's probably something a lot of our listeners can relate to. But you probably also have a why. You might want to lose weight and get a bit more toned. Um, you might want to do a Tough Mudder. I know that's a good one. You know, there's And they sort of tie in because Tough Mudders, you sort of know what the events are going to be. You know how yeah. long this fucking thing's going to go for. And you have a date that you've got to aim for. So in infantry, if you want to stay uh, compliant as a soldier, if you want to be, I guess, um, fully ticked off, I think they call it ARN, AIRN compliant or whatever, yeah. which means nothing. It just means... Can't, can't wear the little... Uh, little Badge oh, the yeah. thing, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and it just means that medically you are thumbs up to do everything in the job without hurting yourself. Um, there is something called a BFA, which is a basic fitness assessment. And you have to pass that once every six, three months? Is it three six months? months? Six I'm months. I'm sure, six, yeah. yeah. Anyway, the BFA consists of a push-up test, a sit-up test and a 2.4 kilometer run. Um, as far as I'm aware, that's the only test you actually have to do to stay compliant. Yeah, yeah, it's the only... Cause the yeah, Pez the Pez didn't become yeah. a thing, did it? Yeah. yeah, despite how much we had to fucking yeah. suffer through the testing of that thing. <laughs> yeah. So, if I know that to stay in my job, to stay 100% compliant, to do the things that I want to do, I have to pass a push-up test, a sit-up test, and a 2.4K run, that should be the focus of my training, right? I should... And look, the bar is set pretty low, realistically. Um, the push-ups is 35. 40 for men. 40? Oh, and I, th- I, I think it might again? have changed before I got out, but I don't know. I think it's lower. And they used right. to say like 60 for infantry. But realistically, the line is 35. No matter how much people hates you, hate you for it, mm. you can get 35, you're AR and compliant. Right? So we know we need to be able to do a minimum of 35 push-ups. Let's just say 35 for now because that was the number when we were in. 35 push-ups in a row, um, you know, without collapsing or whatever. That's a fairly low number. Um, we also need to be able to do, I think, 75 sit-ups with 75, our feet being yeah, held. with mm. sit-ups with feet being held. It was yeah. a cadence. Uh, with your feet being held, it's an absolute joke. I don't know why it's still a part of the test. It's terrible for your lower back. Um, and then the last thing is the 2.4K run. You had to pass that in 11 minutes and 18 seconds. If you can jog the whole thing, you probably make it, right? So you just need to be able to keep your body weight moving for, at a constant pace and, and tick it off. 11 minutes, 17 seconds, you're fine, right? Mm. You're still compliant. You can do the job. So if you want to... Tick those three boxes and then 
get as big and fucking strong as humanly possible, you can. There's nothing stopping you as long as you keep ticking those boxes. So some part of your programming needs to focus on being able to, you know, run 2.4 in less than 11 minutes, 18 seconds. I got to a point where I ran it, I don't know if I would say comfortably, (laughs) but 10 minutes 30, I could just like plod my way through it. I didn't enjoy it, but I didn't really train running that much. Um, And I found that if I just stuck to my groove, pushed myself for 10 minutes, 30 seconds, it was over. I only had to do that once every six months. Box ticked. I don't really like running that much. And funnily enough, um, you don't actually have to run that much in infantry either. Uh, So I found that um, the way that I needed to structure my training was about number one, pass the basic assessment i have i have no say in what that assessment is i can't stick my hand up as a digger or a corporal or whatever and go i think this is a dumb assessment can we change it mm-hmm. like yeah sure Mark. <laughs> yes. yeah the whole army revolves around you buddy. <laughs> yeah um as much as i probably would have done that when i was in um yeah so i need to tick those boxes right we know that the same goes for special forces you know that to pass selection you need to pass the stomp the 3.2k run and I push up and, and pull ups. The push up and pull ups, right? Your training needs to get you to a stage where you comfortably know you can pass those things. Nothing else matters, right? As long as you tick those boxes. The rest of it is being able to get yourself to a state where you know you can handle, what is it now, 14 days straight or 21, 21. days? 21 yeah. days of continuous physical exercise without breaking down the best way to structure your training for that is to not injure yourself before you get there because if you injure yourself on the way there trying to become you know a fucking elite multi-marathon runner Mm. or trying to bench twice your body weight and squat x amount or whatever it is if you injure yourself on the way there what do you think is going to happen when you've pushed past your limit of fatigue which is the whole point of selection these guys are there they don't care how many push-ups you can do because they're going to make you do one more they don't care how much you can bench because they'll just make you bench one more you know it doesn't they don't it doesn't matter the whole point of selection is to see how you react once you are put in a place where you just can't think straight anymore you're under so much fatigue um, they want to see how you work with a team when you're at the lowest of the low so they will find your limit and then just put you past it you know so the limit does not matter the test yeah the limit does not exist (laughs) the tests matter make sure that no matter what you can pass those tests and then for the rest of your training bulletproof your body make sure that you know, no matter how many push-ups you do, your shoulder doesn't start to hurt. Mm. No matter how much walking you do, you can find a pace where you can walk without making your knee hurt. You know, because if you've got that little knee injury or whatever, you want to make sure you can keep it as safe for as long as possible. Because they're going to make you walk for 21 fucking days straight. So find a way to walk where you don't aggravate an injury. Um, you, I'm not saying your level of fitness does not have to be high. It does. But it certainly does not... The priority is not becoming a power lifter. The priority is definitely not becoming, um, you know, Steve Goggins who runs fucking ultra marathons back to back. The priority is keeping your body intact. It's making it through 21 days without succumbing to that knee injury or back injury or shoulder injury. Um, so when we look at it from that angle, we start to look at how to structure our program, not just because I want to pass selection, right? I'm not programming because I want to be an SF. I'm not programming 
because I want to pass my 2.4. This is a, a surface value reason. I'm, I start to look at it as this session will build me this way. Um, so my overarching goal, it, we know it exists. Everyone has that overarching goal. But we start to break our program down into four things, which I cover off in here. Mm, I think the first one's applicability. The first one's applicability. Yep. So uh, this one is fairly basic. Um, we want to make sure that the program that we are doing applies to the task that we are training for. So, um, for example, if you want to be a bodybuilder, you should not be doing long distance runs every day. You should not be training like an endurance athlete. Um, if you want to be a power lifter, you shouldn't be filling your days with the techniques of the Olympic lifts, mm. you know, because, you know, and I know this stuff seems like pretty duh, but we every single session is valuable you know you've only got so much time in the gym the rest of it you have to spend recovering we can't you know for most of us we can't be sitting in the gym for like six hours a day hoping that at some point the training we're doing is relevant to our goal um so you know knowing that we've probably got let's say two hours of valuable time per day to do some kind of exercise and that's the upper limit really most people can't be spending two hours of their day. They have families, they've got kids, mm. you know, and they've got a job. Yeah, you know, which showed us, as we got older in the military, you saw that more and more because yeah. you know, everyone gets in and they're usually fresh out of high school. Yeah, Everyone's doing, doing whatever the fuck they want. Two sessions a day. Hours. Yeah, and, and then guys start to, you know, get married, buy a house, do the normal adult stuff, mm. I guess, conventionally. And then, yeah, you start to see them less or they're doing less what they used to do and yeah. their priorities change entirely. Like guys, like again, I'm using a military example, um, but you could use, applies to any workforce thing where they've got this one big goal that's like the golden light at the end of the tunnel, yeah. which is say in military SF. And then as they get families, they that light starts to dim and the you know tunnels go in different directions because yeah. they're like, fuck, I want to just spend time with my, you know, my kids or my wife and yeah. all this stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's not to say that you can't achieve these things with 45 minutes of training a day. Oh, yeah. You definitely can. Uh, realistically, I would say the most valuable thing in a training program is the amount of sp uh, time spent recovering. Um, the more training you do, the less time you can spend recovering. And if your days are filled with other tasks, you know, if you're training twice a day and then you're working a fairly physically physically intensive job, you're not getting enough food in and you're not able to sleep properly because you're just stressed out of your mind, then you're quickly going to experience breakdown, you know, whether it's an injury or mental fatigue. Um, so... If instead I said to you, let's let's say you know that you're going to do a selection in six months and you want to spend 45 minutes a day, you have to prioritize the sleep. You know, you need to be getting at least seven hours of sleep a day. Um, you need to be able to prioritize the food. Let's take a look at the nutrition program. What are you eating? Because I think where a lot of people go wrong is not in the training. Most people know that... There's that, like you said, there's a lot at the end of the tunnel. Mm. There's my bodybuilding competition. There's my selection process. There's my powerlifting event. Mm. And they're motivated as fuck to get into the gym. They love it. They love the lifting weights. They love, you know, beating themselves into the ground with the 3.2K runs. They love pushing themselves hard. You know, what they don't love is eating five, six meals a day they yeah. and of good food. You know, they don't like going to bed early because they want to stay up and talk to their mates. They want to... Mm. I don't know, whatever it might be. They want to get pissed on the weekend. Um, 
So we need to look at applicability in the sense that let's say you've only got 45 minutes a day. How do we make sure that you're spending those 45 minutes in a way that translates the best to your end goal? So that's what I mean by applicability. I think um, I think step one, know why you're there, you know, which we've sort of covered. The next one is effectiveness. Um, now this is this is that next step every you know we've said everyone knows why they're there everyone can point to the light at the end of the tunnel that's the easy part the second part is effectiveness how effective is the training that you're doing translating to that light at the end of the tunnel you know um it's it goes even further into how you structure your week you know so let's say you've got seven sessions a week obviously 45 minutes a session you know, are those sessions as a bodybuilder all spent on your chest? If mm. they are, you're going to have some weaknesses at the time, by the time you get to the competition. And I know it's ridiculous to think somebody's probably getting in there and only training chest. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, let's expand the word chest to only train the things I like. Yeah. You know? If I if I still trained the way I did when I was in the army, I walked into the gym and I went, oh yeah, I love doing a bit of bench press, love a bit of incline, dumbbells maybe, mm. love some tricep pull downs, and I, I just used to do two hour arm sessions. Yeah, two <laughs> two hours arms. I mean, obviously it didn't fucking pay off, but um, and the reason for that is after a little bit of time, your body gets used to exactly what you're doing, and it's like, okay, I know what we're doing here. I'm just fucking do my two hours of curls and. And then we'll go home. And there's no need to adapt because it's already adapted to that stimulus. There's no need to get any better because it knows what's coming. You know, if you do the um, chest and tries, back and buys and legs split, you know, it knows what's coming and it knows you're going to hit it with, I don't know, five or five at 100 kilos and then, I don't know, do some fucking token row movements, whatever it might be, mm. and then go the fuck home. Um, so that training program, it might be pointed in a general direction towards a bodybuilding competition or whatever it is but it's not the most effective way to get there so we need to look at it from a more clinical sense and say this session is going to consist of these particular lifts and these particular reps and set schemes because these are the ones that will induce the most growth in this area um, and that's why we have um we program the way we do you know most coaches are taught to program this way right from the start but if you haven't already clued on to the way most training programs are set out you've generally got a couple of compound lifts uh they tend to be the heaviest stuff they tend to stimulate the most amount of growth uh they tend to challenge you the most they also tend to have rep schemes of somewhere between i don't know sets of three or five or eight and then you go on to some more isolation movements um so what we're doing here is we're setting a program up in a way that goes today you need to address your legs we are going to do this with some squats and then some lunges and then we're going to do some fucking quad extensions, hammy curls, <laughs> and calf raises. Why not? Um, because your coach might have identified that, one, we know squats build the most amount of muscle mass on the body. They produce the, the most amount of growth hormone, the most amount of chemical response from the brain. It has to travel through your whole body body to get there. The muscles are massive. So we're doing squats no matter what. If I'm your coach, it's just squats all the time. All the time, forever. <laughs> if your coach isn't programming squats, get a new coach. Um, and then you're doing lunges because unilateral work, compound movement, you're developing some slightly different areas to the 
um, to the legs. And then we might have chosen uh, quad extension and hammy curl because as a coach, I've recognized that your quads uh, probably need a little bit of extra work to build that definition up for this competition. Maybe the same, same thing for your hamstrings. We're looking at a bit of balance there. And then calf raises because uh, everyone's calves are too small apparently. Um, that's one way to go about making a session effective. However, if I only ever do that session, I start to lose the effectiveness of maybe targeting the weaknesses. So there also needs to be some, some variation. Um, the next point that I talk about is efficiency. So most people, as we know, can tick boxes one and two. We know that they can turn up to the gym because they've got a goal. They've got the lot at the end of the tunnel. Mm. Uh, we also know that they can follow a program because when you know when you can't program yourself, you just go online, find one, and then just follow it. I think most people do that. Like yeah. I think yeah, and hard, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that, and that's what people who design these mm. programs are for, and that's why they, you know, you would hope so, make a living off their work. Yeah, you know, that's and you're hard pressed to find anyone that does program for themselves, and most people yeah. can't too. Yeah, it's very hard to program for yourself. Mm. Um, I suck at it. But it's another story. Um, efficiency is our is the next step. We're going even a little bit further than just the you're doing these sets and these reps because of this reason. Um, efficiency is knowing that I can't hit everything in six months. You know, um, this is where we start to look at. Let's use the special forces example um, again, or even just general infantry as an example. Given the amount of time that I have. I can't possibly hope to become a ultra marathon runner, a professional, you know, a bodybuilder sized human being with that amount of muscle mass and a person lifting powerlifter numbers, you know, elite level powerlifter numbers. So these are three separate goals that if someone, you know, if you're listening to a lot of these, I guess, SF podcasts or whatever it might be that are telling you that you need a fucking... 3.2 kilometer runtime of under, I don't know, what, what is it, 18 minutes or something? Uh, it's 16 saying, minutes. Yeah, if they're pass, saying you need yeah. to hit like 12 minutes on your runtime, but also bench press 1.5 times your body weight, whatever I said before, mm. if they want you to do both of these things and you're doing selection in fucking six months, good luck, you know, especially yeah. if you're a bigger person, you know, especially if you're from infantry, you've spent a few years there and you've spent a lot of time maybe packing on some muscle mass, then a 1.5, um, you know, 150 kilo bench press is not an easy thing to achieve it's massive. for a lot of yeah, people. It's massive. You know, so if you're somebody that weighs 100 kilos, and I when I left the military, I weighed 96 kilos, um, if I was trying to get a 150 kilo bench press, but also run a 3.2 K, um, with webbing on and stuff under 16 minutes, I would, there's no way I could have done it. Mm. You know, one, I wouldn't have had time by the time selection rolled around. I might've had time if I'd done it in 10 years, but I don't have the ability to do that in six months. Not only that, I need to be very honest with myself and recognize my weaknesses. Mm. I know that me personally, I am not a good runner. Right, so my pro, my pro whole program should be focused around getting myself better at running. I know that, um, you know, I can probably keep going as far as the stomp goes. I can keep going at my own pace for 
forever at that point. I can just stomp forever. But my pace might not have been fast enough to tick their boxes. So I might need to focus some of my program on increasing my normal walking pace with weight on my back. Um, those two goals by themselves are more than enough for me to focus on. If I go, yeah, okay, I can tick the push-up box, I can tick the heave box, that's fairly easy. I need to focus all of my time on this. If I then try and allocate some of my week to like deadlifting twice my body weight, mm. I'm going to end up with an injury and I'm not going to pass the two gates that I know are going to be the hardest for me because I've immediately taken time from the things that I know are my weaknesses, right? So when I talk about efficiency and I think I say it in there, it is about maintaining your strengths, not incre- improving your strengths, maintaining your strengths while developing your weaknesses to a point where they become, you know, as close to a strength as possible. Um, I think one of the main points that I had to make about efficiency was very infantry relevant because as we know, these guys are going outfield like once every two weeks. Mm. Um, maybe not now because of COVID or whatever, but... yeah. Um, when we were in, you'd get maybe three, maybe four weeks of training time before you had another field exercise. And that's, I'm talking like at most, sometimes you'd get 10 fucking days training before you're outfield again. So the question becomes, how do I use that 10 days as best as possible so that I don't one lose fitness and two get injured when I throw myself around outfield? Um, and so when I look at a lot of the programs that come out for uh, a lot of infantry soldiers, they're talking about, oh, yeah, over the next um, 18 weeks, we're going to develop you to be this kind of strength level. You know, is it the AOCP now where it's like a 12-week rotation and they need to spend four weeks building how to be good at the lifts and then the next 12 weeks they spend just trying to get to certain levels of strength relative to their body weight with floor press, whatever it was, back squat and deadlifts or something. Yeah, I think that was it. Uh, and strict press. And I and my answer to them is, oh, that's great if you're just going to fucking spend all year on base. Mm. You know, That's fine if this person that you're asking to do these lifts is getting seven to eight hours sleep a night, is actually eating properly. You know, these are lifts that are not easy to do. The deadlift alone is the kind of lift that you want to eat as much as possible just to recover from because of how much strain it puts in your central nervous system. To ask an infantry soldier to do deadlifts at a significant amount of weight and then go about their normal job is just asking them for an injury. You know, if you get some, and I can attest to this, if you get someone to deadlift a lot and then throw a fucking pack on, they're getting a disc bulge. I guarantee it. Um, just because they are putting so much stress through their posterior chain, there's no time to recover. Um, you know, these are guys that are spending most of their days wearing body armor, where carrying weapons. You know, everything is anterior loaded. Um, and if their posterior chain is not strong enough, but it doesn't recover in the right way, these guys are going to get injuries and they're going to get injuries in the knees, the back and the shoulders, exactly where all three of us have injuries and exactly where the injuries are coming from that DVA just... The big, the big three. Yeah. yeah, that DVA basically just sign off on. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, infantry? Yeah, of course you've got those injuries. Mm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like instant online now. Yeah. If yeah. you were infantry and you're claiming knees, it's 10 seconds. And <laughs> I think I even write about that in one of my articles, if it's not this one. I can't believe the fact that they have gotten to the point that they just go, oh, you were an infantry infantry you must have those injuries Mm. how have they not turned around and gone 
oh, they're all getting the same injuries. Well, How we do we prevent it? this? Yeah. <laughs> and that, so that was my thoughts about when I wrote the program. Um, so just, and I'll touch on that at the end of this. Um, efficiency truly is you maximizing the most, you know, all the time you've got to get the best results possible. We know that, I mean, in a perfect world, you're training for selection, you got six months and you never go outfield. That would be mm. great, but it's not going to happen. So how do you use those two weeks there, three weeks there to maintain your strengths, one, and then build those weaknesses and the first thing you have to do is be very, very honest about the things you suck at. There is absolutely no point trying to get massive bench press, squat and deadlift numbers if you can't run for fucking 20 minutes without getting an ache in your knee. It's just, it, it's... Or pack much, uh, yeah. basically forever. Yeah, I mean, it's irresponsible. So spend more time, you know, rehabilitating and prehabilitating the posterior chain. Spend more time manipulating your body weight under load, so wearing a weight vest or something. Spend more time... Um, you know, developing your running pace and your running style so that you you can absorb shock better, so that you don't put as much stress through these when you run, so that when you have to get out there and do those runs, when they force you to do all this fucking exercise that they make you do, that you are managing your injuries as best as you possibly can. Um, so that's efficiency in a nutshell. I was going to just say for efficiency for, say, just a broader audience as well, um, and we meant you mentioned before there's no point in spending six hours in the gym hoping that's going to work. Yeah. And just in general that if you're spending hours and hours in one session of the gym just to get results, it's probably poorly programmed. Mm. Yeah. You yeah, shouldn't, certainly. You shouldn't need to spend anywhere over two hours. It's just bizarre to yeah. me. And anywhere over an hour and a half I think is unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean that's a really good point. Let's look at and we've talked about this I think on um, one of the live at fives. Let's look at certain sports where you might need to spend two hours or more exercise. Yeah, we mentioned it was endurance sports. Endurance yeah. sports, and I believe that is about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, everything else does not need you to. And we're looking at maybe one. Let's use marathon running as an example. Uh, maybe one run a week where you need to spend over two hours running. Everything else should be building leg strength, building your uh, uh, your natural running pace, um, maybe fart leg training or building your cardiovascular ability, your engine as they call it. Um, these are these are things that you can spend much more time on and recover from better than just pounding yourself into the pavement over and over again for hours at a time. Yeah, because the body takes a long time to recover from long distance yeah. events. Like, yeah, that's the kind of event where, you know, you spend over two hours running and your body's starting to go through uh, energy stores that it's pretty hard for it to replace. You know, it might start off with carbohydrates and then shift to fats and then eventually it's burning proteins. When By the time it makes it to proteins, you're burning your own muscle mass. You know, you're effectively making itself... making um, making it harder for yourself the next time you do that event. So what you need between those runs is maximum recovery time and a program that builds that muscle mass back up that focuses on, main, you know, uh, building up your resting pace, uh, building up, uh, you know, lowering your overall heart rate under pressure, that kind of thing, which is all easily done in, you know, sessions of an hour. Mm. Um, so moving on to my final point, enjoyability. Uh, this is probably more of a motivational point than anything else, but realistically, if you don't enjoy the training you're doing, you just won't do it. Mm. You know? So, um, 
going back, looping back to what I said right at the start, this article was sort of born of a conversation with a mate of mine who was doing a certain program. The reason he did this program, even though it may not have had the best carryover to his role as an infantry soldier, is because he liked it. Yeah. You know, he liked training the bench press or he liked... And there's a lot of guys out there that just really enjoy training bench or whatever it might be. Um, and you can't really blame him for that. At the end of the day, if it gets them in the gym, if it gets them doing something, that's great. But what we need to do is find a way to compromise between what you enjoy and what's practical. So I will give the AOCP, which for anyone that doesn't know what it is, it's like the new infantry strength program. I will give it some props there. Um, I think that the introduction of the floor press is a great way to keep people benching if they like benching, but keep their shoulders safe. I actually don't think that the people teaching it know that that's what it's doing. <laughs> um, I'm a little bit concerned because... I mean, we've Who got... Who does teach it? Is it just... It's just the guys that work at the gyms. Yeah. Do they yeah. have to do like a... They should be what CFL qualified. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so the Army's version of like the Cert 3 or 4 or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. But I think they... I mean, as far as I'm aware and, and from what I've heard, uh, the reason they brought in the floor press is because they don't have enough benches for everyone. Um, <laughs> the real reason that they do it is it's a great way to train a dead stop press so a powerful explosive press from you know a complete dead stop um but from what i've seen and i literally have a client now that is still in an infantry role that i mean he's pretty good at floor pressing don't get me wrong but his technique when he first came in as when he was floor pressing was garbage um it was not designed you know the way he's doing it was not keeping his shoulders safe he was not um he was not doing the movement in the way that was the most beneficial for him, not only as an infantry soldier, but just as a fucking human being. You know, the one of the best things about the floor press is it stops the elbow from going past the midline of the body. So it stops the shoulder from being put in a position where it might end up impinged. However, if you lie someone on the ground and their scaps aren't retracted properly, you're going to get an impingement anyway. And you're probably going to get scap damage. Like it's the floor. Mm. It's not a bench. There's nothing soft there. Mm. So... You know, the way something like that needs to be taught is with all the right technique and then from a complete dead stop because now we're getting a movement that is safer than a bench press. They can probably load it a little bit heavier if they get good at it and it's going to develop muscles that are great for an infantry soldier um, and it's going to stop them from doing so many fucking push-ups. But that's a good example of, you know, seeing where... You know, we know soldiers like this movement. We know everyone likes bench pressing. Yeah. And it's just the thing. Um, so we need to include it. We know they're going to do it anyway. Why not give them an alternative that keeps them safe and develops similar muscle groups, but yeah. potentially even better. So we spoke about the floor press just this week as well, one of our live fives. Yeah. And, um, you know, its benefits. Yeah. So, um, so at the end of the day, if you... You know, if you've got, let's use the SF example once again. If I'm training for SF and all of these sessions are just making me fucking miserable, mm. do you think that I'm going to keep doing that program or do you think I'm going to do very well at selection? Probably not. Because every time I go to do a session, I dread it. You know, I hate coming there or like I hate waking up at that time in the morning or I hate doing this fucking stomp at 4 a.m. Those fucking programs where you've got those stomps where you just wake up at 1 o'clock at night and go for a walk. <laughs> Fuck like, I'm pretty sure if I can stomp at 10 a.m., I can stomp at 1 a.m. It's <laughs> like my body doesn't have a clock in it going, 
Oh, yeah, it's definitely one one o'clock in the morning. I'm going to turn down my stomping ability. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the sessions have to be enjoyable. Like we have a client here now who has said to me that not once before has he ever finished a 12-week program. He's now been coming here for like 16 weeks in a row. Like rain, hell or shine, no matter how he fucking feels, he turns up. Um, and he said that that has never happened before. He said one of the reasons for it is he doesn't feel like when he's coming to that session that he's just dreading rocking up. He doesn't, he doesn't wake up in the morning and just go, fuck, that session is going to fuck me up. You know, he might even know that it's going to be hard. He might go, yeah, it's going to hurt. I'm probably going to feel pretty shitty the next day. You know, there have been times when he's come in here and spewed, but mm. he still showed up and he's showed up over 12 weeks in a row. So that is a testament to if you enjoy the environment, if you enjoy the workouts that you're doing, if you enjoy that type of training, you will commit no matter what. Um, so I would say when you are looking at a program that you're doing, make sure that not only is it fucking applicable, effective and efficient, it has to be the kind of training you enjoy because you know, I know what I'm like. There is absolutely no way that I am going to get up at, say, five in the morning mm. and run for two hours straight. There's no. just no way I would ever do that. Mm. So if I decided I want to get better at running, which at one point I did, um, and I tried to include a two-hour run at four in the morning, guess who's not getting much better at running? No. <laughs> this guy. I'm getting not. better at sleeping. So... Those are four points. I think that's the main focus. Now, right at the end of this article, I did throw in my idea of a, uh, a good training program for an infantry soldier. Now, this isn't your whole training program. This is just your weight stays. Uh, the rest of your training, and I do go into this, the rest of your training should be job specific. It should be doing the stomps It should, and the stomps should be managed by, you know, a training professional you know you shouldn't be stomping for fucking like 40ks at a time or whatever um but the reason that i wrote this is because i know that an infantry soldier might only get two weeks before they go outfield they might just get three weeks they might even get a couple of days so they need to have sessions that they can do no matter what no matter what strength level they're at um and they can manage it themselves so basically the way i've written it is you pretty much rock up to the gym and you can do these sessions over and over again and gradually over time, as long as you focus on technique, the weights will go up. You sort of just work your way up to, say, a max rep set. At, I think the first one is push press for a couple of reps. And then you do an AMRAP at the end and then you do some, I think it's like a, a six-round circuit that is designed to increase your conditioning. So when I wrote this program, um, right at the start, I put in the goals for this this kind of training. You know, the I wrote a whole bunch of stuff basically saying that this is why you are doing the training and this is how each part of each of those sessions is going to contribute to your overall goal. Now, not many programs have that. Um, they might just say this kind of program is designed for strength or whatever it might be. This program here is literally designed specifically to increase your levels of conditioning. It is designed to either maintain or probably slightly increase over time your your strength in certain uh, lifts. But most importantly, it's designed to increase your explosive power. Um, and I'm talking about full body explosive power rather than just your explosive power to do one push up or something like that. So that's why I've chosen lifts like the push press, the bent over row, and I think it might have been the power clean. Yeah, I believe it is. 
uh, push press. Let's have a look. Oh, there's some bent over row. Yep. Front squats. That was another one. Um, but there's no deadlifting because I don't like people in infantry roles doing conventional style deadlifts. I think that you can do a bent over row and you can just do lots of stuff in your body armor and you're just going to get a very similar effect. Um, I also think that you just need to do lots of fucking squats. So front squats and back squats are a staple of this one. Um, but one of the points of this program is I looked at what do I think the most effective um, movement for an infantry soldier might be. And I thought the clean and jerk was probably the closest that I could come. Uh, just because I think that an infantry soldier needs to be able to build explosive power through their legs and then have the ability to drive it out through their hands. You know, if they're ever in a situation where they need to, I guess, do hand-to-hand -hand combat or they need to jump up off the ground or manipulate their body weight while wearing body armor, maybe even do some kind of, I don't know, hanging... Uh, like a climb or something like, you know, mm. get over a six foot wall or something. You need to be able to have that dynamic strength, right? And the clean and jerk is something that I didn't want soldiers doing. It's a technical movement, but I just broke it down. You know, I broke it down into front, front and back squats. I broke it down into a bent over row where you're developing the lats and the posterior chain at the same time while developing a drive through the legs and a push press where you're basically doing the jerk part of the mo movement. You get to use your legs and your arms in coordination uh, while maintaining a strong core. That was my reason for this program. So... I'm certainly not saying that this program will solve all your problems and these were just my choices. Um, but I think what I'm trying to get at with this particular type of programming is this is the kind of thought that needs to go into how you exercise. If you want to be good at something, you can spend 10 years doing whatever the fuck you want and hopefully get there. Or you can spend those 45 minute sessions, seven days a week, you know, specifically choosing movements that will contribute to your overall goal and make you better in a much shorter space of time. Um, I think at one point I did say in the article, you can do, like you could be a professional level bodybuilder and include in your program like ultra marathon running. You could do it. I and you would eventually, over like 20 years, probably get there. Eventually, yeah. yeah. But I think there's been some people that have tried to do stuff like yeah. this just as like a challenge. Yeah. Like a guy um was a bodybuilder and was working up doing a marathon, but he was yeah. doing it in a way that he could maintain his mass to yeah. see if he could do it. I think he did it as well, yeah. yeah. Um, is it sustainable? Probably not. No. Um, and then on top of that, is it the best way to get there, mm. you know? do I want to pass SF in six months or do I want to pass it in 20 fucking years? Do I want to pass SF riddled with injuries or get an injury on selection that I probably developed over my training program? Or do I want to pass it injury free? Um, because when it comes to that kind of environment, a pass is a pass. Uh, it's like if I wanted to get on a powerlifting platform, do I want to get there and perform the best I possibly can at powerlifting or I, or do I want to train in a way where I can do the competition but I can also run 10Ks? Those are choices that I have to make. I'm not saying any one is better than the other but there are consequences that come with all of those choices. If I choose to train for a bodybuilding competition and do ultra marathons, I probably won't win, you know, or I probably won't make it as far as the guys who just spent all their time working those weaknesses, sticking to the rep ranges they know work for them and moving through a full range of motion, you know. So um, 
the whole point of this article is take the time you have and use it wisely you know use it better than just saying oh i, I want to be strong so i'm going to bench press as much as i possibly mm. can you know i want to be better at 2.4s so i'm going to run every fucking day of the week you know um i guess i'll finish up on a note that uh you know i i did have a conversation with this guy again the guy um that initially sent me that program mm. you know way back when i i had a chat to him the other day and he was he asked me do i think that the fitness assessment for the army is the right one and i was like well it doesn't matter what i think because yeah. it's the one they've got you know and he's like oh if you had to pick a movement to assess upper body strength what would you pick i'm like I don't know. It, like, it could be the push-up. It could be the heave. It could. It, I mean, it could be any number of things. But whatever they pick, you then have to get good at that particular movement. Good yeah. enough to pass the test. You know, just like um, if you want to, you know, is the two point four k run the best possible well, yeah. assessment? Well, yeah. There's for, arguments for and against everything. Yeah. So um, it doesn't matter because that's the one they picked. So get good good enough at those to pass. But the real argument is, is the BFA, so is that assessment the best possible way to assess the fitness of an infantry soldier? And we know that the answer there is no. So don't waste your time trying to get a fucking eight-minute 2.4. Spend your time passing the BFA and then building the strength that you know is going to make you a better soldier. You know, the strength that, or, you know, building the things that make you more explosive, more dynamic, the ability to spend a lot of fucking time in your body armor without developing an injury, the ability to spend a lot of time walking around with a shitload of weight on your back without getting sore or tired or fucked up, um, which is pretty hard to do. I mean, that act well, yeah, that activity sucks. Impossible, yeah. But, um, you know, if you know on selection, and the reason I'm using these specific examples is one, we come from a military background. We know that this is this article was directed towards that community um, more than others. But I guess in the body bodybuilding community, there's no like test you have to pass just to get up on stage, right? In the powerlifting community, you don't have to pass a certain test. You don't have to like be able to run a certain distance just to get on the platform <laughs> no. and bench press. Right. But in the military community, you have to pass a test to then go on and do the actual job. Right. So people get so focused on these tests. And when it comes to, say, maintaining your fitness in infantry, just just maintain it. Don't don't worry about getting a fucking eight minute BFA. It's irrelevant. Anyone tells you that an eight minute BFA is the standard is an idiot. You know? um, but when it comes to, say, selection, we know what the gates are. You know what the things are that you have to pass. If, you know, if every good Navy SEAL that you've ever read a book of was able to fucking squat 300 kilos, when you become a Navy SEAL, go and squat 300 kilos. But until you get there, don't fucking worry about it. Just worry about passing the test. Just like, you know, if those SAS soldiers are out there giving you, like putting their workouts out there saying, oh, this is the kind of workout that I do to be good at my job. If you're not in the SAS, don't even fucking worry about it. If you want to get there, do the stuff that will pass those tests, then do those workouts. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think a problem in the military as well um, is, like you say, just pass the test, like do 35 push-ups. Yeah. It's the other piece. I experienced this a lot, especially in Pogue World. I would just do 35 and stand up. Yeah. And then I'd get bombed for... Because they knew I could do more. Yeah. 
And then they would, I would be talked to like, why aren't you putting in 100%? I'm like, I have fucking chest tomorrow. <laughs> like, I'm going to the gym to do upper body too. I'm not going to do eight. Like I think at that point I could do like 80 push-ups or something. It was a fair bit. Yeah. But I'm not going to bomb out 80 push-ups. And then the thing with that as well is I was like, I'm not going to, I don't want to do 80 push-ups and then try and run. Like, oh yeah. I'm going to do 35 push-ups. I did a hundred sit-ups because it was just easy. Yeah. So then I could fucking run. Like a fucking joke. <laughs> so then I could actually like do my run. That's and that's and it, a, it's like other people as well. Oh, like yeah. yeah, I chose to not smash myself on push-ups, but then everyone else was like, "What the fuck? What are you doing? You're not putting in effort." Yeah. And I got talked to by like the bosses and shit. I'm like, Who, and uh, like <laughs> my fuck? my first question is, um, well, obviously my first question to these people is why? Why does this matter so yeah. much to you? <laughs> that's um, what I said to them. Yeah, but my next question is. Um, are these people fitness professionals that are talking mm. to you? No. Not the answer is always no, right? Are those people training for something? Are they training every day usually? Probably not. You know, the people that tend to take the tests, especially in the military, so fucking seriously, are the people that don't understand that the test is just there to make sure you stay compliant to go and do the rest of your fucking job, you know? Um, I guess in Pogue world or the Clark world or whatever... When the test is the highest possible level of fitness <laughs> yeah. that you can have, then they they make it such a big deal. But then come to the infantry world and the test is like the lowest level mm. of, of fitness that you should have. Yeah. So, so you're looking at it through completely different lenses. Not only that, there are... The military is just fucking toxic for people that think that they have a say on something when they should just shut the fuck up. Mm. Like... If you've got, you know, we're, if we're doing a fitness test and you've got some fucking warrant officer that is like a fat piece of shit because like 85% of them are and he's turned around going, you didn't do good enough in that fucking test. Like, and you have to listen to this guy mm. because he fucking has done 20 years and somebody gave him a pretty little picture to put on his fucking <laughs> chest. Like, I, you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm not there anymore is because I turn around and say, what the fuck do you know? Like... What does this test mean? Show me why I need to get 100 push-ups here. Show me why I need to do the very best I could ever do on this particular day. What is it going to translate to over time? You know, because if I instead was able to sit down with a professional and they say, okay, this is the test, this is the day, it's going to tick your box for compliance. And I say, okay, well, that fits into this program. You know, this is my overall fitness program on how I'm going to become a better soldier overall, how I'm going to become better at my job. And the test is just one little thing that you have to fucking do to stay compliant. You know, somebody that understands the fitness industry and understands training is going to look at that and go, oh, okay, sweet. So just tick the boxes here and then go on and do your fucking hectic weightlifting program and become an awesome fucking infantry soldier. If people just see that test and all they can see is that one day and that one thing and that one event, they don't understand how it contributes to the grand scheme of things, then... Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's just an issue. Yeah, like you, if you're in the military, you can't really tell them to shut the fuck up, but no. maybe just like as long as you're not going to get charged, just <laughs> like brush it off. Yeah. Like you're an and, idiot. <laughs> and here, so this is where like I guess you need to be, I guess, cognizant of microcultures. Let's say um, the test says 35 push-ups, 70 sit-ups and an 11-18. But within your platoon, for example, 
they hold themselves to a standard of 60 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, and at least a 10-minute BFA. If you want to remain a part of that platoon and that's the standard that they have chosen to set and they have a good reason for that, um, then get to that standard and maintain it. You don't have to get any better, but it might be worth, if that's the standard they've chosen to maintain, it might be worth sitting down with the people that make that decision. I mean, you might not have that opportunity, but, you know, maybe say to your seco or if you're a seco, sit down with the sergeant, the boss and just go, why is this our standard? You know, as an infantry soldier, we don't run 2.4 kilometers very often. We certainly don't fucking do it at 10 minutes flat, you know, because we're usually carrying a whole lot of shit. You know, we don't, get out field and then bang out fucking 60 push-ups. You know, what's the fucking point of that? So instead, let's look at some tests that actually would assess our fitness. So let's leave the BFA where it is. Let's just say, yep, pass that. And then maybe let's do, you need to be able to do eight heaves in your body armor to get the chin over the bar. That's a great fitness assessment right there that tests whether somebody could probably pull themselves up off a ledge or at least have their mate help them, you know, pull themselves up off that ledge. Um, another test might be how many bounds can you do? Uh, and I know this is where the Pezza come from, you know, basically I'm now looking at like what version of the Pezza would I choose? Um, but that's why I've designed this particular program that tells people that, you know, there are certain conditioning sessions, I think in, not in this article, but there's a full program that I put out Mm. there. That's like seven days a week for conjugate combat. Yeah. Conjugate for combat. It has conditioning sessions in it where I say you should wear your body armor for this because it's going to teach you how to manipulate your body weight while wearing body armor. So that's one of the things that a soldier needs to do. They spend all their time out field with fucking body armor on. They need to be able to move their weight plus 20 fucking kilos. So if they can't do it, they're shit at their job. It doesn't matter how many fucking push-ups they can do. It doesn't matter. And... Um, this all came from when I was an instructor at Singo and we were putting people through and they had certain gateways they had to get through. Um, but here's me weighing fucking almost 100 kilos plus my body armor plus my pack and rifle. I'm weighing like 140 kilos, right? Mm. And then there's these little guys with, you know, that I'm training that probably weighed 80 kilos with all their fucking kit on. And if shit went down, you know, I how am I supposed to expect one of these guys to pick me up and get me out of that situation? If I'm getting shot, that dude needs to drag me away, right? And this person is training to do 60 push-ups, 2.4K run, but at no point do they ever need to train to pick someone up and carry them out of a fucking firefight, you know? So we need to start looking at, you know, why are we there? That's the whole point of the article. Why are you training? Yes, to get fitter and stronger. We understand that. But how are you going about it? Getting a better 2.4K run is not the solution to being a better infantry soldier. Um, you know, getting, being able to run 10K is not going to get you a better result on the bodybuilding stage. Um, and, you know, being able to bench 1.5 times your body weight is probably not going to help you pass selection. Mm. That was my point. <laughs> <laughs> but just a quick little error of one point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Summed, yeah up. summed it up right at the end. Yeah. Uh, you probably don't need to read the article now. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, skip to the end of this. Was that an hour? Uh, 58 min. Oh, Fuck. pretty close. Pretty bang on. Well, okay, cool. Thank you. That was... Um, Marshall's article. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll wrap it up there. So thanks for anyone that's listened. Appreciate it. And we'll catch everyone either at Live or Five or on the next episode. Adios. Yes.
Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Hard Way with Anvil T&D. This is all made possible by listeners like you, so thank you for your support. If you enjoyed this one, hit the like button and subscribe so you never miss a show. Make sure to visit our website, www.anviltd.com, and check out some of our articles and other podcasts. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, any positive ratings really help. Or if you simply tell a friend about us, that would help us out too. If you have an opinion on something we talk about, we would love to know in the comments. Be sure to tune in for our next episode. And remember, train smart, train hard.